It's Monday, July 16th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Bogota, Colombia. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are beginning our study on the book, Basic Christianity, by John Stott, and looking specifically at the prelude in chapter one. And so as we look at the book, John Stott is talking about the right approach to how we approach the gospel of Christ Jesus. And first, why as a staff and as a ministry are we looking at the book, Basic Christianity? Well, as a ministry committed to manifesting the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children, we want to make sure that we are committed to bringing the gospel to bear. And so if we're going to bring the gospel to bear to orphan and vulnerable children, to birth mothers, children, and families, we must have a solid understanding of the gospel. We want to see our need for the gospel daily and be better equipped to share the gospel boldly to those we work for and to those we work with. We want to know the gospel so that we can preach the gospel first to ourselves. Preaching the gospel to ourselves is a spiritual discipline that is both proactive and reactive. It's reactive as we encounter temptation and frustration and seek to restock in the moment, or as we reflect back on our sin and circumstances and try to evaluate them with a gospel lens. But it's also proactive because it goes on the offensive. When we feed our souls with the truth and mercy of God before the events and tasks and disappointments of daily life begin pointing at us and, and, and looking at us, we start to be proactive, to be on the offense so that we are glorifying in the gospel of God as opposed to getting dragged down by the daily weight of life. I love what Paul, Daly, Paul David Tripp says, that we should make it a daily practice to preach the gospel to ourselves so that we can do four things. One, gaze on the beauty of Christ. Two, remember who we are as a child of God. Three, rest in his power and provision. And four, act in reliance on him. So we're studying basic Christianity and looking at the gospel because we want to know the gospel so that we can preach the gospel to others. So we want to preach it to ourselves and then we want to preach it to others. This is what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And Paul is is some of the last words that he penned from prison to Timothy, his beloved brother, who he was charging with the ministry. He says this in verse one of second Timothy chapter four, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and want off into mist. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. So as we look at this timeless Christian classic to focus on the gospel and the Bible so that we can daily preach the gospel to ourselves and others. We, we want this book ultimately to focus us back to the word of God, and we ultimately want to be encouraged to preach the gospel to ourselves and to the nations. So this book is, is set out into the four parts. The part one is who is Christ, who Christ is. Part two is what we need. So first, who is Christ? What do we need, right? We're sinful. 
Part three, what Christ has done. He has been a propitiation. He has been a sacrifice and a substitute for our sin. And in part four, how do we respond? But today we're going to look specifically at chapter one, which leads us to the right approach. And so chapter one starts with with looking at Genesis chapter one. And Genesis chapter one, verses one through five reminds us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And then John chapter one starts very much in a similar way in chapter in verses one through five, when it says in the beginning was the word Jesus and the word Jesus was with God and the word was God. He being Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Oh, uh, love what John Stott says in this opening chapter. He says the religion of the Bible is religion in which God takes the initiative. The point is that we can never take God by surprise. We can never anticipate him. He always makes the first move. He is always there in the beginning. Before we existed, God took action. Before we decided to look for God, God had already been looking for us. The Bible isn't about people trying to discover God, but about God reaching out to us. Oh, God is the institutor. He is the one that came looking for us. The gospel, therefore, is a declaration of supremely what God has done. So God always takes the initiative in the rescue operation of salvation. He is the one that took the the initiative to bring the gospel to bear, the good news to bear to us. And so we see that, that this is in four parts. First, God has created. He creates all things. Then God has spoken. Then God has acted. And fourth, we must know how we will respond. And so let's look at these four ways that God takes the initiative in salvation. Number one, God has created, right? Nehemiah chapter nine, verse six, the Lord, it says, you are the Lord, you alone. You've made heaven, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them. And the host of heaven worships you. Oh, we worship and celebrate because God took the first action by creating all things, including you and me. We were a part of his creative plan. Oh, beloved, this causes us to to want to worship the God of heaven, to know that he is a creative God, that he created us and he made us. And it, it even draws us to Psalm chapter 148, where we see these words penned by the psalmist to celebrate, to praise, to bring hallelujah to God for his creation. This is what Psalm 148 says. It says, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in all the heights. Praise him, all the angels. Praise him, all the hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him. All you shining stars, praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, 
beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, but God's creation succumbed to the temptations of the devil and allowed sin to mar God's perfect creation. So what God had created as flawless sin instantly brought in decay or what science would call entropy and death. Entropy is a scientific uh, concept where things are constantly moving in a state of disrepair. Think about it. Your phone, if you have an iPhone, I think they're programmed for entropy to bring decay. Your computer, your light bulbs, paint on your house. Try to get rid of cobwebs and they will come back. It is a scientific fact that there, that things are constantly in a place of decay. But beloved, that's not the way the Lord created it. We are stuck and begin to think that there is no God and, and, and that we are the solution to reversing the decay, right? We see decay and we think we're the solution and that we're stuck in it and there's nothing that we can do. Oh, but there is nothing we can do because God speaks and takes the initiative to make himself known. Entropy was not the way that God intended it to be. And he takes the initiative and speaks and that makes it second point. God has spoken. And God has spoken in several ways. First, God has spoken through general and natural revelation. Romans, Paul says to the church at Rome in Romans 1, 19 through 20, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Oh, so we can look at what's created and we can see God and have the revelation of God made known to us. Oh, but this is not sufficient enough for us to know God. So he gives us a special revelation, the revelation of Jesus as the Messiah. This is what the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter one, one through three. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So God has created. God has spoken. But then third, his initiative causes him to act. So God has acted. This is what John Stott says in his book about God's action. Christianity is a religion of salvation. And the fact is there is nothing in any of the non-Christian religions to compare with this message of a God who loved and came after and died for a world of lost sinners. Oh, that reminds us what Paul again says to the, the church at Rome in Romans 5, 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, oh, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God 
God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we now have and receive the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, our righteousness was like filthy rags, but Christ died. He acted on our behalf while we were helpless and without hope. The glorious truth of the gospel is that while we were estranged and powerless, the creator God spoke and acted on our behalf with sweet grace. As Stott says, God is not safe because he is holy and we are sinful. Oh, God is not safe because he is holy and we are sinful. Oh, but God is active in mercy. He is merciful. Because we sinned, we deserve the wrath of a dangerous God. But because of God's active mercy, it's by the wounds of Jesus that we are healed. God acted, oh beloved, but we must respond. We will either respond in apathy, rejection, lukewarm recognition, or full out surrender. But beloved, we will respond. And we must respond. And this is the crux of the gospel, the crux of why we are reading this book and the crux of the ministry of Lifeline. How will we respond to Jesus? We preach the glorious gospel to ourselves so that we can be equipped each and every day to fight the battle of caring for the vulnerable and the needy. We preach this glorious gospel to others in order that this same amazing grace may take hold of them and save them. Recently, we had a birth mother who came to us to place her sweet little baby. And, and one of the things that ended up happening is she tried to uh, withdraw her relinquishment. And then she failed to do so. And, and, and later told us that, that really she, she wanted to withdraw, but she knew she couldn't do it. And then she called our birth mother counselor and she said that she was at the point of believing that she needed to take her life. And so as our social worker knew to do, she called a safety call and had the 911 emergency roll out to her house and the young lady calls her and says stop don't call the the ambulance on me um stop doing that and she says well if you continue to tell me that you're going to take your life i'm going to continue to call the ambulance well so a second time she tells our social worker that she's thinking about taking her life and a second time she rolls 911 out there and and uh this this birth mother later told christy Harmon, our birth mother counselor that this is this is how she was feeling listen to these words she says thank you This is what Christy says. Thank you for praying for Lauren over the the past few weeks and specifically for praying my meeting with her today. God has totally grabbed hold of her. He used the second 911 call to make her throw away all the pills and the alcohol that she had in the dumpster. She was so depressed that she turned on a worship playlist. And as a last effort, and she said she felt peace for the first time in years and really felt the Lord telling her that she was loved and that her life had value and meaning and that she would and could still be used by him. Oh, beloved, then the, the church through Christy and through others, the church was able to pour into the sweet birth mother. Oh, beloved, this is the hope of the gospel for birth mothers, for children. It is the gospel that will save them. It's not just our activity. It is the activity of God. Oh, so keep praying for this birth mother and others because we believe that the gospel must be preached. And if we are faithful each and every day to preach this gospel, the, the gospel will end up changing the lives of the vulnerable. The gospel is the hope of life change for the orphan, the vulnerable child, the birth family, and the adoptive family. So let us preach the gospel. This is what what Stott says. He says, God has spoken and acted in Jesus Christ. He has said something. He has done something. This means that Christianity is not just pious talk. It is neither a collection of religious ideas nor a catalog of rules. It is a gospel 
good news in the Apostle Paul's words. The gospel of God regarding his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. It is not primarily an invitation for us to do anything. It is supremely a declaration of what God has done in Christ for human beings like ourselves. Oh, so beloved. Jesus' last words on earth, recorded by Matthew 28, 18-20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Oh, beloved, we must preach the gospel. So this week, we are praying for the country of Romania. Specifically, praying for wisdom and discernment for our Lifeline team, for Josh and Jana and Brianna and Toria. We're praising the Lord for David Wooten and the strong relationships he has with the Romanian people. And David is our Florida State Director. We're praying that for him as he gives insight and guidance to us while we're working in this difficult country. <clears throat> we praise the Lord for a recent trip that Janet and Brianna had to Romania and the huge potential we see for unadopted orphan care partnership. We're, we're praising the Lord for uh, 26 caregivers that were trained through Janet and Brianna's trip on the caregiver training. And we're praying that these caregivers will be taught uh, uh, as they were taught that they would take this teaching back to their centers and back to their orphanages. Uh, we are also praying that the gospel seeds that were sowed would, would, would reap a harvest. We're praying for our partner on the ground, Petri, and he and his wife, Kyle, and their three girls, Lydia, Miriam, and Sophia. They run Ringen Foundation, and this is a foundation that's reaching into the unreached local villages and, and into the gypsy Roma people and families that are living in harsh conditions. So we're praying for Petri as he ministers in this hard to minister region. We're praying specifically for two teenagers currently living in a, a home, a hope center that's run by Ringen Foundation. And, and we're just praying for specifically these teenagers that live in this center, that they would find the gospel, that they would be poured into with her life skills and job skills. We are uh, praying for our contact at the National Authority for Adoption and praying that we can continue to develop a strong relationship and that communication would be Clear. We're praying for the president of the ministry in Romania uh, that, that that takes care of, of, of children, women and children. We pray for her consideration as she makes decisions on matching children with families. And we're praying for our contact at the U.S. Embassy as she works with families in country. Pray that our relationship will continue to grow. And pray for a pilot Romanian family as they are pursuing a process uh, of, a, of a daughter that they will meet later this month. And pray for another family who's working on making corrections to their dossier. And uh, pray for the mom specifically as she has to update a passport and just that they would have patience and understanding. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for the country of Romania. We pray that her people would come to know you. We pray that the gospel would be preached. We thank you for the opportunity for ministry and specifically the trip that Jana and Brianna were able to have. We pray for our partner Petri and his wife Kyle and his three lovely girls, that you would strengthen them and give them wisdom and hope as they continue to do your work there in Romania. And Lord, we pray for this pilot family and this other family as they are preparing their journey to adopt in Romania. And Lord, we just thank you so much for contacts within the ministry of Romania, and we ask that you would continue to undergird them with your support and that they would make wise decisions on behalf of the children of Romania. Lord, you love the people of Romania. We pray that your gospel would be preached. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.